A good haircut can be a game changer. I mean, everybody wants to look their best for those social media pics, right? So get yourself to Sport Clips at Sport Clips Haircuts. They hair do like no one else hair does. See what they did there? Not only is it the home of champion haircuts, but they've also made relaxing and unwinding the name of the game. Level up your haircut with the MVP haircut experience. It's a spa day for your follicles. Check this out. You get a seven pressure point massaging shampoo along with a perfectly steamed hot towel all while sports plays on the TV. Does it get any better than that? No. You can want it all and have it all at Sport Clips. It's a game changer. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. The following program is a podcastwarm.com production. This is Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho. Starring Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. I am your host, Chris Jericho, and I got something I need to say. Talk is Jericho, number one podcast on iTunes and on podcastone.com. Thanks to all of you for being here with me. Thanks to all of you for uh, checking the show out, giving us a little sample, and deciding that you liked it. You like me! You really like me! I'm going to do a new jingle. Do-do-do-do, Jericho's number one. What do you think of that? You like that? Do-do-do-do, Jericho's number one. Super excited to be with you here today for a number of reasons. One, it is 2014, and it's going to be an amazing year. It's going to be the year of Jericho. It's going to be the year of you. What's your name? Frank in Portland? It's going to be your year. Estelle in Peoria? It's going to be your your year. Uh, Maurice in Montreal? It's going to be your year. We're all in this together. Thanks to all of you. Now, another cool thing. Today on the show, to discuss the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I got Eddie Trunk, the voice and face of heavy metal and hard rock journalism here in America. Eddie has a big bone to pick with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and with Kiss, who incidentally finally, finally made it into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this year after 15 years of being passed over like schlups. But it's going to be a huge, huge, huge year. I always said that there was three, and we're going to talk about this later with Eddie, I always said that there was three bands that if they weren't in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame means that the whole thing was a sham, uh, a facade, a scam, and that was Rush, Kiss, and Deep Purple. Deep Purple not inducted again this year, which is total horse hockey. Remember that? Colonel Potter from MASH. Horse hockey is what he would say for his uh, his swear words. How can you have the band? If you go and pick up a guitar, the first riff you'll probably learn is Smoke on the Water. Everyone knows that riff, right? Smoke on the Water, probably the, 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 the biggest rock riff of all time. And hundreds of other songs, I mean not hundreds, dozens of other, of other songs uh, in their pantheon, in their catalog. Deep Purple looked over again. But let's see who is going to be inducted this year. Hall of Fame, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, April 10th, 2014, of the new year, taking place in Brooklyn, New York, at the Barclays Center. Last time I was at the Barclays Center, I wrestled Rob Van Dam in what many people said was the match of the year. And who am I to disagree? Right? HBO will broadcast the show in May, showing the inductees kiss. It's about time. Nirvana, first-year inductee. Of course, Nirvana's going to make it in there. Kurt Cobain posthumously going in. Will Courtney Love appear on behalf of him? Little bit of problems between Courtney and the band, from what I understand. Linda Ronstadt is going to be in there. If you remember Linda Ronstadt, like if you watched the Eagles documentary that came out um, a couple years ago, she was super hot. Like, kind of the girl next door, big brown eyes, hot little body, hot little body on her. A lot of good tunes. Uh, poor pitiful me. Just one look is all it took. 
Uh, You're No Good. You might know that if you're a Van Halen fan, the kickoff song of Van Halen 2. She has Parkinson's disease, unfortunately, and can no longer sing, which is a drag. But she's going to be there. And I'm sure they'll have, you know, probably like your Melissa Etheridge types. Or who's cooler than that? Melissa Etheridge. What am I? 80? Um, I don't know. The chick from Paramore. Haley Williams maybe will sing. Who the hell knows? Cat Stevens will be in. I wonder if he'll acknowledge his, uh, his conversion to Muslim. His name is now Muhammad Mustafa or something like that. E Street Band is in there. Hall and Oates is in there. My friend Wallace listens all the way from London, England. Asked me last time if Hall and Oates had cut a deal with me because I was talking about Hall and Oates and um, talking about their album and going on iTunes and going on Amazon to buy the record. Hall and Oates is in, and the question is, will Oates' mustache be inducted on its own? And I think that's the rumor that Hall and Oates would be inducted as a three-piece. Daryl Hall, John Oates, and Oates' mustache, who is far more famous than either member of Hall and Oates. And I kind of envision Oates' mustache to kind of sound like like a very regal-sounding voice. Like, hello, I am Oates' mustache, and I am very proud to accept this honor. Why he has a, a, a British accent, I'm not sure. But he's kind of pompous. He asks for his own dressing room. He's got his own comic, Oates' mustache. I am very excited on behalf of John and Daryl to receive this award this evening and go into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Imagine if he only Oates' mustache talks and Hall and Oates don't have time to talk. That would rule. I'll be watching just for that. Who didn't make it? Yes. Yes gets a big no. The zombies get put back in the grave. NWA is NW no. Link Ray, not even sure who that is. LL Cool J is LL Cool. Get the hell out of here. And Sheik, good times. Nile Rogers, famous producer, had the honor. They have the honor of being the most nominated act yet to be inducted. Nine times they've been inducted, and they're not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Time to take Sheik and throw him in the trash. Nine times? I mean, how many more times do you need? Deep Purple, not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and Flava Flav is. That, my friends, is a travesty. Beyond all travesties. It was bad enough that Flavor Flav was in and Paul Stanley wasn't. But Paul Stanley going in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I'm very excited. Eddie Trunk may not feel the same way. He's got a lot of, uh, of uh, built-up animosity, shall we say, towards the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And that's why I wanted him on the show. Originally, I had another guest planned for this show who was a blockbuster. You're going to love him. He's going to be on next week. Calgary's own Bret Hart. Bret the Hitman Hart. Yeah, next week, boy. But this week, Eddie Trunk talk about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and talk about Kiss and all the drama that's going to happen. You have to be in a band for 25 years after the release of your first album to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So Kiss, they, I think their first record was 73. So they've been eligible since 2008. So it's been like 15 years. One of the biggest uh, omissions ever. Deep Purple, even longer. Fozzie, if we're going in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame... Our first record came out in October of 2000, and it's available on Amazon now. If you want to get it, go to my page on podcast1.com. Go to Talk is Jericho. Click on the Amazon link and go buy it. doesn't cost you any extra. just helps me keep the lights on, eh? So October of 2000, so we'll be eligible in 2025. And what would it mean to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? I mean, that's pretty huge, you know? I think, you know, Kiss has always said that, you know, we're, we've, we're more about the fans. We don't need this accolade. But in the words of Neil Peart, 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 drummer of Rush, who said, we've been telling people for years it's not a big deal to go into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And now that we're here, apparently it is a big deal. And he's right. It's a big deal to be honored by your peers, by the fans, to have that jam to have that big balls-out jam at the end of the show. Super excited. I'm going to be watching. I'm curious to see which members of KISS will be involved. We'll talk to Eddie Trunk about that. But, I mean, it means a lot to, to, to be inducted into the Rock and Roll of Fame uh, as Fozzie. It'd be a, a lot to be inducted into the, into the WWE Hall of Fame as Chris Jericho, Y2J. Hopefully someday that'll happen. I mean, you know, uh, Coco Beware is in. You know, Greg Valentine is in, right? Slick is in. So, I mean, <laughs> Jericho better be in if that's the case. I mean, come on. Coco Beware, Frankie the Bird. That'd be great if he was in the Rock and Roll of Fame. Frankie the Bird goes in the Rock and Roll of Fame. Frankie the Bird is in the WWE Hall of Fame and Chris Jericho is not. That, once again, is as bad of a travesty 
as Flava Flav being in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and uh, Paul Stanley not being in there. And, of course, I haven't retired yet, so maybe that's why I'm not in. But it would mean a lot to go in. Uh, it's a lot to be in the WWE Hall of Fame. It's a lot to be in a WWE video game. I mean, that's pretty cool, right? I mean, um, anytime you can see, you know, I like to play with myself as much as the next guy. Double entendre, especially when you're on a video screen. And I haven't played as my character in Raw vs. SmackDown, but you can. All right, there are some seriously talented luchadors in AEW, and not all of them speak English, which can make putting together matches a little challenging sometimes. That's why I signed up for Rosetta Stone. I'm learning Spanish, amigos. Hey, amigas, see? Already learning. Haha, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. You don't even have to learn Spanish, though, because Rosetta Stone has 25 languages, including French, German, Korean, Arabic, and Polish, and Japanese. That's what I'm going to do next. I spent a lot of time in Japan, and I still work with a lot of Japanese wrestlers at AEW, like Takeshita. So having a better handle on the language will definitely show in the ring. Communication is key. And learning Spanish on Rosetta Stone has been so fun and easy. They've got this true accent feature that gives you feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. Sort of like having a personal trainer for your accent. I'm using the app, but you can also do the lessons on desktop or laptop. I also like that I can download the lessons and do them offline, which is perfect for a plane. I can sit there on a flight and work on my Espanol. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Talk is Jericho listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Jericho. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Jericho today. That's rosettastone.com slash Jericho. Do it today. Talk is Jericho. All right, welcome back to Talk is Jericho. On the line right now, the face and voice of hard rock and heavy metal journalism here in the United States, taking over the world one step at a time. Eddie Trunk is on the line. What's going on, Ed? Hey, bud, you make me sound like, uh, I don't know, like I should be living in a mansion with a million dollars. Don't you? Isn't that how it works? No, actually, it's quite the opposite, actually. I'm busy plowing snow and... Uh, <laughs> Trying to keep food on the table, but it's all good. Thank you for the kind words. I remember how it worked uh, when I was first starting out in, in in the music business, or even before that. When if somebody had a, a record, you thought like like oh my gosh, like this guy's super rich. Like like Keel, Keel has three records, so the drummer must be a millionaire. And then the real reality of the music business shines through, and you realize it ain't exactly the way. Well, there's st- there's still tons of people that I meet all the time that think that if you ever released a record. Uh, just released a record, whether it was successful or not, at any decade, any period, that you're wealthy. <laughs> and that <laughs> if you ever appeared on TV, you're loaded. And right. if you heard, you, you've ever had a radio show, you're you're loaded. But uh, listen, I'm not complaining. I'm lucky and blessed. I have what I have. It's just funny the perception versus yeah. the reality sometimes. But uh, after 30 years of chipping away in the music business, it's. Uh, nice to know it's resonated with people so well it's like i said you've carved out a huge niche for yourself i know you kind of were a little bit humble about it but you really have kind of become the face uh, of hard rock and heavy metal uh on tv on the radio for dvds of bands you know rush gets you to come in to, to interview them or, or dio i know had done that and you just celebrated your 30th anniversary there was a huge show in new york city i know there's a lot of people involved how was that uh how was that party and how did it feel to have all these people there for, to tribute uh, to, 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 to kind of pay tribute to you. It was it was amazing. I mean, you know, five my radio show, as you said, turned thirty years old um, this year, and you know, I started right out of high school doing a show focused on hard rock and heavy metal, which were always my passions. And um, for the twenty fifth anniversary, we celebrated it with uh, as crazy as this is. Judas Priest played a private show, and uh, that was just beyond crazy and amazing and still kind of weird to even say that happened but it did and for the 30th i said well we need to commemorate 30 somehow and i was really going nuts trying to uh find something that you know in name value could could eclipse priest and i really had a hard time doing it um and then i started thinking about it and our mutual good friend you know mike portnoy right uh, was was we were having some discussions and I don't know how many people know the backstory, but his current band, the Winery Dogs, I had a role in 
putting together, and I truly, truly love the record. It's my favorite record of the year. And um, I started saying, well, you know, this band is personal to me, and all three guys in it are friends. All three guys are incredible players. And that's Richie so Kotzen. How Richie about Kotzen. we just do something and have them as be, be sort of like the house band. They do a set, and we have a bunch of people jam. And then Mike ran with it from there. Uh, as only Mike can, and really wanted to take over running the music side of it, which I encouraged him to do because I'd been traveling a lot. And he put together these incredible jams with all these people. And, of course, the one that made the big headlines was the reunion of, of Ace and Peter, who Ace Freely and Peter Chris, who had had some personal issues between them, uh, put those issues aside uh, for me and came out and played together for the first time in like 13 years and had a blast. And the timing on that couldn't have been better considering what we just found out about the Hall of Fame. <laughs> well, you know, it was funny. I, I wanted to kind of set the tone a bit, but, but you alluded to it. Now, we've been friends for a long time, and, and the, you have a lot of fans from that metal show. And there's something that always sticks in your craw, and that is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which you have affectionately dubbed it as the Rock and Roll Hall of Shame. The announcement has just come out. Nirvana, Peter Gabriel, Hall and Oates. Oates' mustache as well, which is amazing. And, of course, the long-forgotten, uh, long-ignored Kiss. Why do you call this the Rock and Roll Hall of Shame, and how do you feel about Kiss finally making it in? Well, I call it the Rock and Roll Hall of Shame. It's been a soapbox issue for me for a long time now. And it's funny because when Rush finally went in, and Alice Cooper finally went in, and now Kiss finally going in, I'm hearing from a lot of fans of those bands who have said to me, thank you, you know, thank you for being so vocal about this, thank you for helping to make this happen. Now, I have to stress, I don't, I'm not taking credit for any of it. I, I, I think that if my ranting has played a role, great, at least I know raising my blood pressure is worth something. <laughs> um, and the bands themselves, Rush, Alice, you know, Ace and Peter certainly, have all expressed you know, some sort of thanks and gratitude because I've made it such a front burner issue and I've talked about it for so long. And the reason why I have is, you know, I've, I've talked about it and been so vocal about it on radio and TV that about two years ago, the president of the Hall of Fame came into my radio show to try to kind of discuss it with me and calm me down a little bit. So I know that it, for a fact it resonated. But whether it actually had a role in these bands finally coming in, it's, who knows, well, well, it's kind of nice to think maybe it did, and um, I certainly, you know, seems a little bit coincidental that after, you know, these three key bands that I was screaming about are now finally in the hall, but I've called it the Hall of Shame because they have ignored so many iconic, incredible rock bands that we love, and still continue to, by the way, I mean... Just because these three bands have finally gone in, there's still a ton of work to be done, and there's still a ton wrong with the thing. But what bothers me about it is that it is this huge mainstream institution. People have said to me, you know, why don't you start your own Hall of Fame? Well, that's easier said than done. Uh, my whole goal was to try to create enough pressure on this one that they make this one right. And to me... You can't have something called the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and debate for over 10 years the validity of Alice Cooper, Kiss, and Rush being in it. Why and do you think, why do you think it took so long for those bands to get in there? You make a band like Kiss and Rush wait 10, 15 years while so many others go in. To me, it's just a blatant, disrespectful slap in the face to, to not only the bands, but us as rock fans. So it always bothered me. There's still work to be done. But it's nice to see some headway happening. And if they keep this up, maybe they won't be the Hall of Shame anymore. Why, we'll see. Why do you think it took so long for, for Kiss or Rush to get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or Cooper? Because the, the Hall of Fame, there's so few people, Chris, that actually know how this works. And because I've been so vocal about it for so long and I've kind of been very identified with it as one of its you know, detractors and the fans have kind of rallied around me from what I've done and said, um, I've done some homework. You know, I know people involved. I know how it works. So I, if I'm going to shoot my mouth off about this thing, let me at least get the lay of the land so that at least I know what is going wrong and where the problems are. And there's a lot of misconceptions about it. You know, first of all, it, it, it isn't 
dictated by fans. If it was, none of this would be happening. People make a big deal about the fan vote. The fan vote hardly means anything. Fan votes alone cannot in any way move the needle to get a band into the Hall of Fame. And the reason why, to answer your question, that this stuff goes on is because this committee that makes the decisions, which most of these people are not, they don't want their names known, you, you know, for obvious reasons. They don't right. go walk around with a button saying, I have a vote. But this committee um, is made up predominantly, especially when the hall was first formed, predominantly by older, retired music business executives, record label people, managers, uh, things like that. Bruce Springsteen's manager, John Landau, is at the head of it. Hmm. And a lot of writers from Rolling Stone, a lot of older guys that they look at these bands as a joke. They don't take them seriously. They don't take them as credible artists. And they'd much rather put some sort of 70s singer-songwriter in there that they thought was brilliant instead of putting in, you know, a big... You know, Rush, where the prog tag always kind of applied, and prog was too geeky for them. It was just, you know, Kiss to them is just a joke. It's just a marketing thing. There is no talent there. You know, all those perceptions that we fought about these bands as fans. You know, Alice Cooper is just a show. Who cares about the music? So those, all those things that we battle as hard rock and metal fans, that perception is what these people truly believe. And they'd rather put... Somebody like Laura Nero in there, who you don't most even know who it is, heard of, right? Uh, because she's some credible, you know, artsy songwriter. Then Kiss or Alice Cooper or Rush, but it's reached a point where a couple of things have happened to make this change. One is that when people go into the Hall of Fame, they in turn then going forward get a vote. So oh, really? So 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 all put in Metallica, Guns N' Roses. Aerosmith, ACDC, Black Sabbath. Suddenly, those people are voting, and those people oh. get it and want those bands in. I think one of the biggest reasons why Deep Purple, who still aren't in, which is ridiculous, blowing as that is, are getting on the ballot at least is probably because of one person, right? And that's Lars. Our little buddy Lars, yeah. I mean, because he has a vote, he's in, and he's if you know Lars, he's psycho into Deep Purple, so. You know, eventually that stuff's going to come around and it gets the balance of the old stodgy people versus people like Lars is going to start balancing out and the hall's going to lose control, which is a good thing. Um, and lose all the influence of this, you know, group that it was originally built on. Well, yeah, and it's interesting because for me, the, the three big omissions were Rush, Kiss, and Deep Purple. And the thing I don't understand is, is uh, so let me just clarify quickly, just with a yes or no answer. So if you go into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, then you then, uh, going forward, get a vote. Is that what yes. you're saying? Okay. So. The thing that bothered me, though, is you are mentioning there's a lot of personal taste involved with, you know, Rush being a prog band or Kiss just being a gimmick or Alice being a gimmick. But you can't deny the sales. I mean, Kiss has sold, you know, 70, 80 million records. Rush has more gold records than any other band besides Elvis and the Beatles. How can they have denied those bands just from an actual figure and longevity influential status? It, it doesn't matter to them. See, there's two phases of the induction process. There's a smaller panel of people that come in and there's these panels and they make their case like you know you have a guy like the rock panel or what have you and and there's maybe like a dozen people and they sit there and they decide what bands they make their cases say say i was on the panel right okay the initial exploratory panel for the hall of fame and i would come in and i'd say okay deep purple has to go in the hall and i'd be in this room with maybe 12 people and i'd say okay Deep, I've, I'm making my case this year for Deep Purple. Here's why. And I present the case. Smoke on the water, blah, 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 whatever you want to say. Right. And then what happens is that panel meets and discusses, and then they narrow down the nominees. They'll come up with a list of, like, 12 bands. And then those 12 bands are, in turn, turned over to the bigger voting community of like 600 to decide who actually gets in. So the voting, the voters are given like a dozen bands mm -hmm. each year. And from those dozen, the votes that they cast are based on five. So if you are a voter, 
you're going to get a thing every year that's going to say, okay, here's who we've decided we're nominating. Now you pick who's going in. And is it the top five on the list or top six on the list, or how does that go? What's that? Is it the top five on the list, like as far as numbers-wise? Like the top five bands in voting will go in. And then they'll put the fan vote. The the recent thing was they put the fan voting thing up, and that that plays a small hand in it, but it can't single-handedly dictate somebody getting in or not. So, you know, again, the, the balance is shifting. You know, Paul Stanley alluded to this in one of his comments about finally going in as well, that finally there's enough people in there that the, the stranglehold of the old Rolling Stone writers and the old music business guys who just view Kiss and these other bands as a joke, finally they don't have the control anymore. And right. There's more balance there, and I think that's what we're really seeing happening. Well, another thing is, too, is that, is that the bands, the available list of bands to go and get smaller and smaller every year. So I think there's more of a chance for, like you said, Deep Purple needs to go in. But there's a lot of other bands that have been ignored. The one that pops into my head more than anything, and they're not one of my favorite bands by any stretch, but just from a from a, 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 a hugeness, from a, they're still playing stadiums, would be Bon Jovi. I mean, that's probably the, the biggest band that hasn't gone in yet. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I agree with that. I think that Def Leppard is another one that doesn't come up. I mean, you're talking about a band that released two back-to-back albums that sold more than 10 million copies wow, each. Wow, that's right. Still a very popular, viable band. You know, I saw a tweet yesterday from Nikki Six saying he doesn't think they'll ever get in. I think they will. They I have to. That, be- I think that the Hall likes this sort of, you know, they like that super excess sort of band like Guns N' Roses. I mean, the thing that blows your mind is... You know, and you can just see how trendy all this is. That, And nothing against Guns N' Roses, and of course, iconic band. But, right. you know, Guns N' Roses went in first time eligible. Right. I mean, that's a little crazy. I mean, Van Halen didn't even get that. Exactly. And let's be honest, it's off the strength of one record. Nirvana, you could have, I, I would have bet my entire bank account, First time eligible, of course they're going in. Right. So it's mind blowing to me. Kiss waits fifteen years, but a band that was were Kiss fans and covered a Kiss song, Nirvana, goes in first time, first year eligible. So y- there's not a lot of logic here. There really isn't. But fortunately, again, for yeah. us as as hard rock fans, as Kiss fans, you know, Rush, Alice, what have you, we're seeing some progress made. But you're right. I mean, there's still tons more to do. I mean, Priest, Maiden, Motorhead, Cheap Trick. How about Cheap Trick? Yeah, uh, absolutely. You can go on and on. I mean, there's tons of them. You know, Ted Nugent, Thin Lizzy. Journey. Oh, Journey. How can Journey not be in there? I think that's another one, like you said, is, is kind of not a critic's darling. But when you go back to like 19, you know, 1983, they were the biggest band on the planet. Yeah, I mean, you're dealing with people that, again, the elitist factor is still high. And yeah. uh, that is a huge part of the problem, is these people, they, they snub this, oh, Journey's corporate rock, or it's too commercial. I mean, it's stupid, but it's just, you know, it's like a bunch of old grandpas in there that are just out sure. of touch with what the public and, and what people our age were really moved by and what really sold records. I remember, I think I read a quote or heard a rumor that Jan Wenner, who is the editor of Rolling Stone and definitely high up in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame voting process, was saying, you know, Kiss will never make it in as long as I'm walking this planet. But I think, you know, like you said, after a while, the, the grandpas go away and, and the, the, the fan base just causes that to be different, even though Jan might be kicking and screaming that kisses in. He lost well, control at well, this point. what's interesting, Chris, first of all, I think that was actually, that quote was actually attributed to Dave Marsh, who is um, Springsteen's biographer. Okay. And and he he was the guy who said that. he. It was very rare for somebody who, it was very r- rare for something like that to happen, because as I said, most of these voters are kind of clandestine. They don't want people to know and they don't ever want to stick their chest out there because they don't want to become targets. Right. And they also don't want to become the subject of people campaigning. And uh, he did that. He was so adamant against Kiss. Again, one of those guys that thinks Kiss is a joke, uh, that he said that a couple years ago. And, yeah, he's still on the panel, but there are, I can tell you for a fact, <laughs> there are, because, again, I have a lot of contacts and people that sure. you know, I talk to about this. Um, th- there are voters and people within the higher levels of the Hall of Fame that are miserable that KISS is going in. (laughs) And the reason why is not only because they still think it's a joke, but also because they know 
that this event, when it happens in April, is going to be completely dominated That's right. by KISS fans. That's right. You know, it's funny. So it's going to be all about KISS when all they've tried to do is suppress KISS. And, you know, they're, they're doing this in a new arena in Brooklyn, yeah. which holds 15,000, 20,000 people. I've yet to go there, but it's a beautiful new it's arena in Brooklyn. It's a big place, Brooklyn. right downtown. Let's be honest. Without KISS, and, the, and I must stress the original KISS, going into the Hall of Fame and potentially playing a couple songs suddenly that arena becomes an enormously hot ticket for that night. No disrespect to Hall and Oates, but if it's <laughs> Hall and Oates and Cat Stevens with no kiss, suddenly you're going to put a curtain up and be lucky if you get 5,000 people in there. And the thing I love about it is the fact that Nirvana who is made up, obviously, you know, of Dave Grohl and Christ Novoselic, you know that Grohl's going to be going in there going, I can't believe Kiss is in. I'm so excited. He's not going to care as much about Nirvana going in as Kiss. I'm telling you right now. You can tell. It's like when Yeah, my- I mean, and that's just it. I mean, and that's the Hall's own fault. All of this is, is the fault of the Hall of Fame because they made Kiss wait 15 years. So as a result, they have to deal with this kind of stuff. I know when Rush finally went in last year, I mean, Jan Wenner was booed mercilessly when he tried <laughs> to give his opening speech. Yeah. And the entire event was dominated by Rush fans chanting for Rush and going crazy. Everything else was overshadowed. And listen, yeah. it's no disrespect to the other people going in. Many of them deserve it. But it's really a statement and an indictment on the Hall of Fame because if they did their homework and they put these bands in in some sort of level of seniority and some true lineage that makes sense then this stuff wouldn't happen because right. you would have had Kiss in in 99 when they were first eligible. And guess what? Now that Nirvana's finally, you know, okay, so Nirvana goes in, well, great. Kiss has been there for 15 years, so you don't have this avalanche. But right. now this thing is going to all be all about Kiss, no matter how anybody wants to spin it, and it should be. It's going to be a nightmare for them because Kiss is going to have to close the show. I think the best quote from last year was Neil Peart was saying, we've spent years telling people this isn't a big deal, but now that we've got in, uh, it, it, it is a big deal. We find out that it is a big deal, and I think it's going to be the same with Kiss. Um, we're going to talk about Kiss when we come back from the break. There's lots more to talk about with Eddie Trunk. Plus, I'm going to answer one of your questions from at Talk is Jericho on the Twitter. Hit me up. You never know. Your question might be the one answered right here on this very podcast. So we're going to get back to Eddie Trunk right after this. But first, we're going to go show some sponsors some love because if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be able to do this show for you for free. So check this out. Listen closely. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. You're listening to Talk is Jericho. Welcome back to Talk is Jericho. Got my good friend Eddie Trunk. We're talking about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, I just had to get this in there. Another guy who's not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that bothers me uh, to a T uh, is that Ringo Starr is not in as an individual artist, even though John, Paul, and George are definitely the most famous drummer of all time. He's got six top ten hits of his own. But like you said earlier, Eddie, he's kind of the quote-unquote joke of the Beatles, not the critically acclaimed member, and I don't think he'll ever go in on his own, which is another thing that really bothers me. Um, but Kiss... Kiss is in the Hall of Fame. Now, you mentioned to me that now we get to see what's going to happen. Maybe there's going to be some drama. Maybe there's going to be some issues. What is going to happen with Kiss, and and who's going to show up? Because originally Gene Simmons was saying, I'm not going to let Ace and Peter be on the stage with me. Well, Gene has done a lot of backpedaling in the last 24 to 48 hours. I mean, (laughs) you know, and I don't even know if Gene realizes what he says half the time. He was kind of caught off guard because a Rolling Stone interview that uh, he just did, uh, the, the writer brought up me, of all people. Really? And, yeah, I mean, he just they just brought up my name and said, you know, why don't you go on that metal show, and do you have any issue with Eddie Trunk? I mean, <laughs> kind of surreal that, uh, you know, on a day that you know, the band that was my gateway into rock music finally goes into the hall, and here's Rolling Stone doing an interview with Gene, and my name is in there. I mean, that was pretty, pretty <laughs> crazy and pretty cool, actually. But, uh, 
I mean, it, it, it's, uh, I think, you know, I mean, Gene had some, you know, Gene-like things to say in that interview. Um, here's what people have to understand. There's a lot of people that have said to me, are, are they going to let Ace and Peter show up? It's not their decision. People are so used to Gene and Paul running the show that they just assume that Gene and Paul would need to approve Ace and Peter showing up. They don't. Ace, Peter, Gene, and Paul are being inducted. They are all able to stand up there, say a few words, and accept the honor. What happens beyond that is when all the negotiations start up. And that is what's happening as we speak and what probably will continue to happen over the course of the next couple of months. And this is where, honestly, things can get dicey and feelings can get bruised and there can be issues. But basically what happens is now they all start to work out uh, the, the Hall of Fame president and his staff start to have a dialogue with Ace, Gene, Peter, and Paul about what they want to happen, how they want it to happen, and who they want it to happen with. And everybody's going to give their two cents and talk through the Hall of Fame. Not just KISS, of course, all the bands going in. And then they reach a decision as to, you know, okay, we'll, we'll play and we'll do one song and it's this song, and we'll do one song with the original guys. Uh, and then we want the current band to come out. And then if, if Gene and Paul say that, which I'm pretty sure they're going to, because they're going to want to push the current band still, um, then Ace and Peter may very well say, well, I'm not cool with that because they're not being inducted. I'm just speculating. I don't right. know how it's going to go down, but this is the nature well, of the discussions that are going to be happening we've... over the course of the next couple months. And this is where egos can get bruised, and this is where hard feelings can come up, and uh, this is where there could be some rub. But the, the four original members are the only ones being inducted. So there's but that no... does not mean that others from the band may not be represented in some way. So... It's all being worked out, and the other big question that comes into play with KISS is do they do makeup or not? You know, do they right. come out in makeup, or do they do everything just in regular clothes without makeup? Because that's another thing, too. Are Peter and Ace willing to put the makeup back on for this? So, so do you think, do you feel, even though they're not going in, do you feel that Bruce Kulick and Eric Carr deserve to be in the Hall of Fame uh, along with the original members? My take on it is this. I think you either put the original four only, as is the case, or you put everybody. I don't think you can cherry-pick beyond the original four. You either cut it at the founding members or you open it up to everybody. Because I loved Eric Carr, and Eric Carr was a dear friend of mine, and I miss him. I dedicated my first book to him. But, okay, so many have said you just have to add Eric Carr. Great, you add Eric Carr. But then what do you go tell Bruce Kulick? Right. You know, Bruce, is, Bruce was there as long uh, just about with he was there as long as he because he was there past uh, Eric well, sure. and huge part of those '80s records. Is and it... then okay, what do you tell Eric Singer? Because Eric Singer's in the band now, and he was in the band during the Revenge era. So it becomes, you know, it really isn't fair if you go. You can't right. just say I'm going to take one non-original guy. And not the others. So it's Vinnie Vincent. I mean, nobody knows where this guy is and if he'd even show up. But the importance of him as a writer in the re resurgence of Kiss in the early 80s sure. is huge. That's what I'm saying. If it wasn't for those guys that, that were in Kiss in the 80s, specifically Eric and Bruce, and even Vinnie, like you said, they wouldn't have lasted till now, uh, at least at the level they had. And they might not have made it into the Hall of Fame. But let me ask you this. Who decides... What lineup goes in? Is that is that a KISS decision, or is that a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame decision? No, that's all the Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame decides who, who they are inducting, and they say which members are going in. You know, when Hart went in last year, right. the same sort of thing happened. Hart, you can look at that as a little bit of a blueprint, because Hart had the original band, which there's heat with those guys. I mean, they're not on good terms. You know, back then, everybody was shtupping everybody. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it was just, there was whatever issues there were, but the original lineup, the 70s lineup of Hart, was what was inducted into the hall. And they re somewhat, some say somewhat reluctantly, did a song or two with those guys. They did. Then 
Hart brought their current band out, Ann and Nancy, and did a song with them. To me, that felt a little bit weird. I mean, for me, as as a Kiss fan, and I certainly like Hart, but you know, Kiss was sure. Kiss, Kiss to me. is Kiss. Um, I, I think that the makeup thing is going to come in. T- See, I think this is going to get weird. Where I think this could get ugly, not ugly, but have problems as far as in the performance end, is I I just know Gene and Paul have worked so hard to sell this current version yes. of Kiss the last ten years. Yes, that, that I know that they are going to want to represent those guys somehow in this show, and I bet you they are going to want to at least have them come up and play a song with them. You know, Ace and Peter, I don't know how they're going to feel about that, because these are the guys that in their mind and in many others have been impersonating them. Right. And although they don't have any personal issue with them, you can understand how they could say, well, wait a minute, we're going to the Hall of Fame. They're not. This is an honor about the original band. Why are we sharing the stage with guys that had nothing to do with that and who today impersonate us? It, it, so do you think they that's do? That's where it could get... That, you know, could go one or two ways. Those guys could say, yeah, okay, whatever, I'll, I'll roll with it. I mean, the MTV Unplugged. That's what I was going to say. They right. came out and played with Eric and Bruce Kulik. What if they did that? Do you think there's a chance of doing that, having six guys on stage for a song? Totally. Yeah. If Ace and Peter are, are down with it. And here's, Chris, where the makeup <laughs> Yeah, do they wear the makeup? Right. Gets real interesting. <laughs> because if you do that, no, you can't do makeup. Well, yeah, but if you're going to have all six guys out there. I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to have there's Ace and his makeup, and Tommy and Ace's makeup, or nobody. One guy's in the makeup, one isn't. So that then gets really weird. It's going to be like Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park, where Paul Stanley's stunt double was a black guy, and you yeah. could totally tell it wasn't him. You know, but it's funny though. Let, let I mean, and 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 you mentioned a couple things. One about the, the heart induction last year, where the original lineup played, and in my opinion, smoked. The, the new lineup they, they just killed the new lineup and I then agree. and then there was the blondie if you ever saw blondie where it's kind of what you alluded to where the original six members came up and then they started a fight on stage as to why the three members who weren't in the band anymore weren't playing it's like you know they're not going in the rock and roll hall of fame we are why aren't we playing and that's where it gets really uncomfortable also the other question is you think of the worst inductions of all time guns and roses pulled it off when slash and duff brought miles kennedy up uh, but the worst one was the Van Halen one, where no Van Halen brothers even showed up, and it was Paul right. Schaefer's band. That's a travesty as well. I mean, so what do you do if Kiss decides they don't want to play, or just the you know quote unquote new lineup, the, the 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 double lineup, or whatever you want to say? There's so many ways it can go, and it could turn really ugly, like you said. But Kiss always claims to be about the fans, don't you think? At the very end, that they'll do what the fans want to do and bring the four original guys on stage to play. I think that, you, and you're right, this is where this, and, and all the fans, and my website, my comment section on my website has been blowing up the last two days, everybody speculating, putting their two cents in, and everybody asking these questions. I think the important thing to understand is that nobody has reached these, nobody has even you know, had these discussions. Yet. Right. These questions aren't answered yet, and that's what the next couple months is going to be about, and that's where all the negotiation comes in. You're right. The Van Halen thing was a debacle. Um, but that was a debacle because the Van Halen brothers just decided to not show up at all. You right. know, they, they, they didn't, they could have said, we're going to show up and accept the award and stand at the podium and take it and say a few words and walk away. But they just decided they're not showing up at all. By Do you know all why? Accounts, Ace, Peter, Gene, and Paul are showing up. I don't think any of them are going to miss the opportunity at the podium. Where it goes beyond that is anyone's guess. Now, right now, in the very early goings, everyone is saying the right things. You know, Paul, Gene, Ace, Peter, all open to playing, all saying, yeah, why not? We'll play a song or two. So right now, it's kumbaya time. (laughs) When the call comes to Ace or Peter from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame saying, well, I just spoke to Doc McGee, and Gene and Paul are willing to do rock and roll all night with you guys, but then during the song they want, you know, Tommy and Eric Singer to come out, you know, that's where one of those guys could say, well, why? You know, they've been, right. this doesn't have anything to do with them. And that's where, you know, I don't know. I, I can't speak for Ace and Peter how they'd feel about that, but I do know, and we all know, it's been sensitive the last 10 years, 
there's been barbs, there's been issues. A lot of it is over the fact that you know, those guys are kind of copping their act. And again, I don't think it's anything personal against them, but I think that they mm-hmm. feel that you know, Gene and Paul have been trying to rewrite the history to some degree and, and have, have been slamming them. And you know, here they are again, a knight and an honor that's about the original four, and they could very well look at it as, well, Being now they're slated. trying to crowbar in right. these guys. What do they have to do with this? I, again, I don't know how it plays out. To me, if it was me doing it, and again, I, I can't stress enough because there's a huge perception out there from people because I am friends with Ace and Peter that I'm just an Ace and Peter guy, which, again, couldn't be further from the truth. I loved all the lineups of the band except for the current version because I just don't like the impersonation thing. But, but I have no issue at all against Tommy Thayer or Eric Singer as people or players. But that's where this all gets really, really dicey. And in my view, if I was handling it, and I'm not, but I would say if the Hall was inducting everybody from the band, then you should have this KISS family celebration. Right. Everybody come out and play. The fact that the Hall is only inducting the original four guys, it should only be them, and it should only be them playing a song or two, then maybe at the end, because you know KISS is going to close the show. you got to remember there's four or five other bands being inducted. Springsteen's East Street Band. You, you have that big jam at the end and bring all those guys in. Yeah. And you do that. And then what I would do is Gene or Paul, during their speech, make a verbal acknowledgement of the other guys living and non-living who were in the band sure. and part of the story. But let me uh, ask and maybe even have the surviving guys at their table or something. Let me ask but you this quickly. to bring them up on stage and to bring in the playing aspect of it, you know, it does, it does kind of create some, uh, probably some tensions and some, sure. some weirdness. And I think this is where it's all going to get really interesting over the next couple months. But I've said the whole time, it's either all of them or just the original four. And I think that's the only way to play it across the board. So let me ask you this. You, you mentioned earlier, just to, to deviate from Kiss for a second. Do, do you have any idea why the Van Halens didn't show up for, for their own induction? Because they didn't want to stand up there with Sammy Hagar and Michael Anthony. Oh my gosh, it's so crazy. So, so let me ask you this then. Okay, so you mentioned that the Hall decides who goes in. And obviously we mentioned before, you know, Newstead went in, Robert Trujillo went in, uh, Sam and Dave went in for Van Halen, but no Gary Sharon. And then the big omission was Black Sabbath with Ozzy and no Dio. Why did the Hall decide to let Sammy in, but not Ronnie James Dio? I don't know if Trujillo went in, did he? I think he did. I think he did. They played together on stage. I mean, well, that yeah, but see, that doesn't mean anything, right? Pl- playing together doesn't mean anything. All those people in Heart played together too, but that, and they they weren't involved in it. That uh, could also you know, be Miles a James Kennedy, right? Didn't go in Guns and Roses. He he sang. So but, that's again a huge difference. That could be a who James and Lars thing. Has though. nothing to do with who's actually going in. But maybe James and Lars insisted that that Trujillo go in. But my my point is, why would Ozzy uh, Slabeth go in without Dio, who kept them alive and, and very legendary? The two two or three records he did with them. Well, to me, I think that I think Ronnie should have certainly went of in. Of course, with, with I think Ronnie should be in on his own. I as agree. Sabbath, Rainbow, Dio, everything. I agree. But. Um, there's politics that come into play with this thing, too. News alert. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, Sharon Osbourne is not going to deliver Ozzy on the Sabbath induction with Ronnie James Dio standing there. It's right. just not going to happen. I mean, she, so, so there's power plays that could go on. In other words, she could have very well said, you know, hey, listen, you know, it's the original guys from Sabbath. Because uh, you could say, listen, Ronnie's the focal point, but you could say, well, why not Vinny Apice? He was on those records, too. Exactly. It becomes a bigger thing. People have said, why Sammy Hagar, then? Well, you also have to look at the body and the amount of work. When it came to deal with Sabbath, at that point, it was three records total, one of which was, you know, one, two of which were iconic. Classic, yeah. But still, just two records versus the bigger picture. When it came to Sammy Hagar with Van Halen, you're talking about a guy who had you know, what, a half a dozen studio records and a ton of hits. Right. It wasn't like a, you know, it wasn't viewed as like a project or a one or two record thing. It was viewed as, you know, a, a whole renaissance of the band, a whole different era of the band. And I think that's the other thing is just like how much, wor- how much of a body of work is there? How much of a contribution is there uh, in the big picture and in the history as to where they draw the line? 
Yeah, well, and that's yeah, exactly. And like you said, there's a lot of politics involved, and also too, you know, I, I think. I think going back to what Neil Peart said before about, about how, you know, it, it's not a big deal until you actually get inducted, then it's a big deal. I would predict that, like you said, that what we're going to see, if you go back to KISS, is you're going to see the four original members do a song, and at some point they're going to bring the other two guys in. I think that's that's the plan we both agree on, but what will Peter and Ace say? And what if only one agrees? And then, you know, that's this is going to be a very interesting couple of months to see what exactly is going to happen with that band and who's going to be on that stage and who's going to play. Well, exactly right, and that's what the phase that we're about to go into, uh, and that's what negotiations that, of course, we're not going to be privy to if we're not on these calls, but these are the calls that start immediately between the hall, and you've got to remember there's, there's three separate camps here. There's Gene and Paul and their camp handled by Doc McGee. There's Ace's camp and his manager, and there's Peter's camp, and most of that is uh, – you know, him and his wife making those decisions. So you have three differing opinions um, and messages that are going to be delivered, to, and they're all going to be talking through the hall and saying, yeah, we're doing that, or no, that's BS, or no, I'm not doing that, or yeah, I'll do that. And that's, again, where this could all kind of get sideways a little bit if if yeah. Gene and Paul are asking for things that Peter and Ace are going to view as being disrespectful to them on their night, that's when this can get a little bit ugly. And I can say this, having spoken to Ace and Peter, and I have spoken to them uh, yesterday since this was all announced, and congratulated them, and we talked for a bit. And, you know, it's funny because what people may not realize is they're asking all the same questions that the fans are. Right. Nobody knows the answers here. I mean, you know, this is all very fresh. So they don't know. I mean... The, the 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 band members found, find out the same time as the fans do. So when that press release went out, that's when the bands found out too. So it's wow. all very new to them. But I know that Ace and Peter's number one thing is that they are treated respectfully. That that yeah. they just want to make sure that they get the, the a fair and equal treatment to the other guys. Um, because you know I think that they probably feel over the last ten years, especially that. Their, their role and contribution and has been a little bit diminished and history has been rewritten or tried to be rewritten yeah. to some degree. Well, they- but you know, what's going to happen here with this thing, man, is that I, I've told a lot of people, I was at the Unplugged, I was at the MTV Unplugged uh, when, when Ace Back and Peter in 96, out. in 96. And what, of course, that was in 95, and that's what ignited the reunion tour. And I was there at that taping. And you can be as big of a KISS fan of any lineup as you want to be. And there's many lineups of many great eras, and I'm a fan of many of them as well. But when these four guys, no matter what BS has gone on, show up, even just standing there, shoulder to shoulder, for the the electricity in the building is going to go ten times to whatever else it is. And it's an avalanche. I felt it. The minute they walked out during the MTV Unplugged taping, and I turned to the person next to me and I said, there's no way they're going to be able to go back to what they were doing. Because remember, for people that don't know the KISS history so closely, the MTV Unplugged happened just when KISS had finished a brand new album with Bruce Kulick and Eric Singer that hadn't been released yet. They had a record in the can. The record was Carnival of Souls. Right. They were about to go out and tour that and release that, and this was just have these guys out for the Unplugged to do a song, whatever. It was an avalanche they couldn't turn back from, and that's what led to the reunion and that whole album being shelved for a while. So I'm not saying for a minute that this could or should lead to that, because I don't think in their early 60s anybody is up for being able to pull off another reunion tour. I'm just saying that the the scope of it yeah. is so big when these four guys stand shoulder to shoulder and the prospect of even playing a song together, I mean, it really you know throws a little bit of a monkey wrench into Gene and Paul who keep trying to tell you that the band's bigger than yes. ever in, in its current incarnation. It's just not the truth. It's, so, ex- it's exciting, um, too, to, to that, think. That's what I'm, I, I just really think that people don't realize how, if you're an old-school KISS fan or even a new-school KISS fan, what this means 
that these guys have to get on a stage together and may possibly play together even for a couple songs. There's a big, big snowball effect from that just in the fans' mentality. Yeah, and I think the the name value of Kiss is just shot through the roof, at least for the next three months or so, until we actually see what happens on April 10th at the Brooklyn Barclay Center, 2014 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Eddie Trunk, thank you so much for joining me today. Great insight on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Great insight on Kiss, and we'll see what happens. Uh, at Eddie Trunk is the Twitter, and got a new uh, season of that metal show getting ready to tape as well, season 14. Yeah, I don't know what season number it is, but we're doing 15. it back in New York, and we uh, <laughs> the first new shows will start airing January 18th. we got a bunch of great guests lined up, and uh, it's going to be interesting and different doing it back in New York. We're doing it a little bit differently, too, where... We're going to be doing a show a week that's going to be seen just a couple days after we shoot it, so there'll oh, be wow. much more new shows and more fresh when we get started. So that's uh, that's pretty exciting. And yeah, people follow on the Twitter or uh, check EddieTrunk.com. I'll post everybody's info. I'll post info on how to get tickets and if you want to come to a taping and what have you. And if I can just mention my book, you know, I've got a new book out, uh, Essential Hard Rock and Heavy Metal Volume Two, a sequel to my first that came out a couple years ago. And they're both available now uh, everywhere you can buy books, Amazon, iTunes, or, you know, good old bookstores as a <laughs> real book, which is still a good way to go. Too, so. and then both the books are great. Eddie, you're one of the, uh, the the true experts in hard rock and heavy metal. And maybe, just maybe, if Paul, Gene, Peter, and Eric can reunite, maybe Paul and Gene will come on that metal show one of these days. Well, Gene's got to come up with a better excuse than what he told Rolling Stone, saying say? that he doesn't know about the name because he doesn't think Kiss is metal. Um, I mean, that's just laughable. And uh, I've already put it out there. Uh, Gene, will call it That Simmons Show that night if you decide you want to come on. Well, we'll put a different graphic up if you, I mean, you know, calling it That Metal Show, Hart and Paul Rogers and Cheap Trick, none of them had a problem with it. But for Gene, we'll temporarily change the name of the show for that night if you'd like to come. You know what you call it? You call it TMS, That Mr. Simmons Show. With a dollar sign as the S. <laughs> Thank you very much, Eddie. We'll talk to you soon, brother. Always a pleasure Take care, talking bud. to you. Good talking to you, man. It was an amazing conversation uh, with Eddie Trunk about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and all the intricacies of, of, of what it takes to get in. You know, once again, you think it's more, it would be more of a fan-voted thing, but there's still kind of the inner circle, the star chamber that decides who gets in and who doesn't get in. It's like the Shriners. I remember when I was a kid, I got on a bus that was. It was off duty, but I was going to a Jets game, Winnipeg Jets game, represent, yeah, boy. And the guy said he'd give me a ride to the bus station, which was right by the um, Winnipeg Arena. So I drove down. It was about a 20-minute ride. And the guy told me as I was riding downtown about how the Shriners were really a satanic cult, and you didn't realize it till you got to the 13th level. Back in the days when you could take a ride with the friendly bus driver and not worry about ending up in a gimp mask. But Trunk was right. A lot of uh, questions about KISS. Who is going to show up at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Who is going to play at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Eddie, definitely an expert in all things KISS, all things hard rock and heavy metal. The Essential Eddie Trunk, Hard Rock and Heavy Metal book. I think it's no, The Essential Hard Rock and Heavy Metal by Eddie Trunk, Volumes 1 and 2. You can buy them. On Amazon, and if you're going to buy them on Amazon, make sure you go to the Talk is Jericho page and click on the Amazon button to take you there. It's a gateway to the Amazon.com website. It does not cost you any extra money to do this. Every time you do your shopping, no matter what you buy, including Eddie Trunk's book, Amazon will kick back some dough to the show so I can keep doing this for free. You know what I'm saying? I can keep the lights on. I can pay for gas to get to the show. It takes a lot of gas to get to the show. It takes about an hour for me to drive to the studio from my house. That's a lot. I mean, gas is going about, you know, 16 bucks a gallon nowadays. So if you click on the Amazon link and buy something, I'll get a few centavos to throw in the gas tank so I can do this for free. You can bookmark the Amazon link by going to podcastone.com and clicking on the Talk is Jericho page. Once again, doesn't cost you anything extra. You don't have to sign up for anything. I don't like signing up for nothing. You don't have to join any special clubs, except for the special club of loving Chris Jericho. Yeah, boy! You just have to click on the Amazon link, and then you shop like you normally would. No extra fees, no extra hassle, just some loving for Talk is Jericho. It's the easiest way to support this show, and I appreciate you supporting this show. Talk is Jericho, number one on the charts. 
Huge guest next week. Brett the Hitman Hart will be there. And to end off the show, the Twitter question. Hit me up at Talk is Jericho on the Twitter. At Strikamura wanted to know, I know you're a Michael Jackson fan. What's your favorite MJ song and or album? Well, the album has got to be Thriller. Classic, classic. So many great tunes from Thriller and Want to Be Starting Something. Obviously, Beat It with the guitar solo by Eddie Van Halen. Great. Uh, Pretty Young Thing, amazing. But my all-time favorite Michael Jackson song is Smooth Criminal. Song gong, 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 gong. Ow! And the best line ever, are you okay, Annie? Are you okay? I always thought it was Eddie. Eddie, are you okay? Are you okay, Eddie? Are you okay? But it's Annie. Who was this Annie? And why is Michael worried if she's okay? Questions to be asked if I ever get Quincy Jones on this podcast. By the way, I do want to get Paul Stanley on this podcast. Paul Stanley, one of my rock and roll heroes. This is the Pod of Thunder and Rock and Roll. So you can tweet Paul Stanley Live at Paul Stanley Live and tell him you want him on Talk is Jericho. That's it for this week. We'll see you next week. This is the Pod of Thunder and Rock and Roll. Stay cool, stay hard, stay heavy. We'll see you next week. God bless you. Thanks for listening to Talk is Jericho. Don't forget, every Wednesday there's a brand new episode of Talk is Jericho at podcast1.com.